You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. We have something exciting coming up this next week. We've been talking about Mexico for about a year now, and they are going to be leaving a week from now. And so it's going to be a great trip. Um, This one's a big one. Uh, There's going to be a few photos. We've been helping them with some building projects for the last eight years. And it's just been watching this happen over time from what nothing being there to actually having fully formed structures. And this trip, we actually get to finish the roof. And so it's a big one. It's an important one. Um, God came through in all the finances and bringing it about that we can actually help them accomplish this. Um, And so with that, we want to take time um, as we send out our folks from here to pray for them. So anybody that's going to Mexico on this trip, if you'd come up to the front, we want to pray for you. any of our deacons or elders or family and friends, this is a great opportunity for us to send each other out. So if you want to come up as well as we pray for them. Put your hand on my head. Right on your head. <laughs> all right, Lord, we, we pray for this trip. We pray for all the logistics. We pray for everything that's going to transpire. We pray for... Um, travel. We pray for safety. Uh, we pray for the, as the project moves forward, that everything goes well. We pray for the outreaches that are going to be in the community. Um, we pray that people's lives are touched, that your, your message is proclaimed, um, that as everyone go down there, they are just attentive to your spirit throughout this entire time, Lord, um, that your name is ultimately proclaimed and glorified through it. Um, as we partner with you in doing your great work, Lord. We thank you for all these people. We pray for health as they go down. We pray against any sort of sickness or anything happening while they're there, Lord, Um, just that you're with them through all of it. We thank you for their hearts and their obedience unto you to be sent and to go and to do your good works. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you still feel a tug to partner with this Mexico team, it's a little late to still go. Um, Sorry. Uh, But if you feel that you want to still be in support, um, there are a couple of small financial areas that could still use a little bit of help. Um, If the kind of the deadline for any of that would be this Monday. But if you feel God speaking to you in this, saying that to be partnered, you can um, go to the back grab one of these little cards and be praying for everybody that's going um, because we believe in the fervent power of prayer and that it is effective and that God hears us. So this is number one. Um, If you feel called to give anything that you put in either the offering or on the kiosk in the back and you just put Mexico on there, we'll make sure 100% of those funds goes towards this trip and making sure everything comes through and is paid for. Um, so if you feel partnered in that, please be obedient to whatever God calls you to. Okay, we are continuing in our series on foundations. Um, sorry. Over the last couple of weeks, Matt has been up here, and he's been doing a wonderful job. He was talking about communion. He was talking about the love of God. Uh, if you'll notice, 
he's not in the service with us today. He is helping his setup for his niece's wedding, which he will also be performing. So they're busy today, um, but that's why they're not physically present with us. Um, when he spoke about communing, he spoke about how this is the fulfillment of Passover. When the Israelites were in Egypt and the final plague came through and the Lord passed over the Egyptians. It was a... Um, not the Egyptians, I'm sorry. He did not pass over the Egyptians. That was a sad day for the Egyptians. He passed over the Israelites. But it was a looking forward, a picture of what Christ was going to do for us. When his sacrifice, he was the lamb that was slain. Through his blood, which is modeled by the lamb that they put the blood on the doorpost, by the blood of Christ, we are forgiven. God is passing over our sins. And that is what Passover Embodies. That is the whole point of celebrating Passover is to recognize what God has done for us and what he continues to do for us. And so through communion is a continued remembrance of what Christ has done. And he's done all this through his love for us, his abounding love for humanity, the fact that he created us, the fact that he chose us despite all of this that we see around us, all of the craziness of the world, all of the backwardsness, all of the difficulties, all of the pain, all of the things that he knew would happen. And yet he still chose to create humanity. He still chose to move forward. He still chose to want, desire to have a relationship with mankind. He still wanted to be our God and for us to be his people. He did all of this through his love. And so we're gonna, we're, we've been veering a little bit away from the Sermon on the Mount, and what I want to talk about today is really born out of some of the time I um, had when we were in Chicago a few weeks ago, um, before I got sick. I'm just kind of finally recovering energy-wise from that now. And while I was there, uh, there was a lot of really great messages, it was a really great time of building up um, just some leadership ideas. But one of the, there was one particular thing said that kind of started a kind of an itch in the back of my mind, and it was this. The church exists for the sole purpose of its non-members. The church exists for the sole purpose of the non-members, the people that aren't in this building, the people that don't even necessarily know who we are. That is who the church exists for. And so it got me kind of on this process of thinking and this big question, why are we here? Why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we in this building? Why do we take time out of every weekend? Why do we give up of resources? Why do we give up of just time throughout the week? Why do we give up of ourselves? Why do we sacrifice? Why are we here? And so we can, in answering that question, I'm going to ask you to embrace your inner five-year-old today, and we're going to be asking the question, why? 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 Because it's a really good question. It can be an aggravating question because you feel like you've answered it over and over again. I do wonder if God feels that way, if then we've asked it over and over and over again. But we need to ask this question, why? Why are we here? Why do we do the things we do? And so I'm going to approach this from the real big question, why? And we're going to hone this down to the ultimate purpose of the individually, why are we here? So ultimately, why overarching humanity, why are we here? The thing you see on the movies and television, God, why are we here? What is the purpose of all of this? 
that question we ask in desperation when we look at the world and we just doesn't make sense. God, why? And that question, if you believe in God, is actually very simple to answer. It's actually very clear in scripture. So if today you don't, if you're not sure if you believe in God, you're on the fence, you're asking honest questions, today is your day. Today is the day you can believe. Today, I'm hoping through this, I can help you better understand and you can accept Christ today. You can accept God as your savior today and believe truly in him. Because through a belief in God, we actually have far more answers than without. It takes, I firmly believe, it takes far more faith to believe that all of this exists from absolutely nothing coming into existence and in perfection coming together to form what we have before us. The, the chance of it happening on its own is so mind-boggling to say that that's more assured than God. I just, I can't stand behind that. I can't even fathom the level of faith that that takes. And so if the people that believe in that already, if we can get them saved, what mountains could move for the faith they already have? But if you believe in the Lord and you believe in his word and you believe it is true, the answer for humanity being here is very simple. And it comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of our three books of wisdom that we have in the Bible. We have Proverbs, we have Ecclesiastes, and we have Job, our wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes is told from the perspective of a grumpy old man. Now, if you've ever met a grumpy old man, they actually have a lot of good wisdom. You just have to cut through the cynicism. So that's what we're going to do. Out of Ecclesiastes 12, starting in verse 13, it says, The end of the matter, all has been heard meaning there's nothing more to say here. This is it. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So first and foremost, the purpose of humanity is to fear God. That word fear means awe-struck reverence. You understand that he is God. He is creator of the universe. He is the one that has brought it all together. He's the one that holds it all together. The more and more you understand physics and biology and the way things are composed and the way things are held together and you realize it doesn't, it's, it shouldn't stay together. God holds it together. This is our God. The one that is there in all things, that is all places and all knowing and all powerful, the mighty creator of the heavens and the earth, the Lord. Awe struck reverence and realizing truly that I, you, us, we are not God. We do not get to decide the difference between what is good and what is evil based on our own personal desire. We do not get to set that standard. God gets to set the standard. God gets to define what is and what isn't. God is the one that does this. It's understanding our place in the universe. Fear of the Lord. Now this is a very hard thing 
to do as an American, I know, to be told, this is your place. I'm going to define you now, and you're going to fit into this box. We don't like to hear that. We have radical individualism here. You don't tell me who I am. You don't tell me what I can do. You're not going to tell me where I can go. Mm-mm. Now, I can tell you who you are, and I can tell you what you need to do, and I can tell you where you should go, but never the other way around. That is not so here. That is not a biblical idea. God says, this is who you are. You are my people. That is what defines you. But on top of that, he says that we need to keep his commandments, which at the basics of it is you need to follow instructions. You need to do as you're told. Mm. If it wasn't bad enough, he put me in a box. Now you're going to tell me how to walk around the box. Keeping the Lord's commandments, following the good instructions that he has for all of mankind. Because we have to realize we will be subject to one of two things in this world. You will either be subject to sin, you will be a slave to sin. The word of that, that description is accurate. You will be bound by your passions. Subject to your flesh and your desires. Finding yourself unable to resist just what feels good. Or you can be set free and you can be subject to Christ and you can accept him as your Lord and Savior and you can be free to follow him. That is a different sort of concept than our idea of freedom. Our idea of freedom, unfortunately, verges on anarchy. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody tells me what to say. Nobody tells me where to go. Nobody tells me what I can or I cannot do. And if that is everybody doing that all at the same time and nobody having any influence over anything, that by definition is anarchy. It's not true freedom. True freedom is when people feel that they don't have to go out into their world and be afraid of who's around them or what they're going to do. When we look at around in our world right now, do you feel free to go in peace? We hear about it all the time, constantly. People just in normal, everyday situations, and suddenly there's another shooting. Suddenly there's another horrific act that happens. People are living in fear rather than freedom. God says, you need to come to me to be free. Imagine if every person on this world was following after God was following after what he said, his guidance, trying the best they can every day to take another step in God's purposes, to be further sanctified in Christ, to love one another, to consider one another, to help one another. How freeing that would be for all of humanity. And that's the call. That's the reason. That's the definition that we are to do this. We are to be defined by God and we are to follow after him. That is the purpose of humanity. And why? Romans 2, 6 through 11. He will render to each one according to his works. Not only do we serve a God who is creator of all things, who deeply loves us, but we serve a God who is just, who cannot help but being just, to hold things into account, to hold people accountable for what it is they have done, how they have walked out their time on this earth. We serve a just God. And he wants us, so badly wants us. In order for this to walk, be, in order for this to work the way it needs to, we have to follow after him. To those who by patience 
in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. All of life is a big old test. What is it that you've learned? What is it that you've walked out and obeyed of God? And I've been frustrated many times when I looked at the world and I look at my Bible and I say, we've had this Bible for 2,000 years in its completed version. 2,000 years. How is it that humanity hasn't got this yet? And I had a bit of a revelation in that. It's like, humanity as a whole may have had this for that long, but I, Joe Moore, have had access and have been trying to walk it out for less than 20. That is not a long period of time. It's a big book. There's a lot in there. To realize each and every one of us only has a limited time. We have limited access to what God has given us. To learn, to walk it out, and then to carry it forward, to pass it on, to teach others. To be able to establish things so that people can learn from them. And the most difficult thing of all is not all of us are wired the same. Some of us do really well of seeing someone do something really stupid, going, I will not do that. And some of us see someone doing something really stupid and think, you know, I bet I could do that and not have the bad consequence. <laughs> and then they go and do that, and lo and behold, wow, that was a bad choice. And we have to bear in mind we have people of both sides of these things and walking people through and having grace and humility and bringing people along through it. But there needs to be some level of urgency. We don't have really a lot of time. And things are only getting worse. You read article after article after article of things going the opposite direction of the way we want them to go. There isn't a lot of time. And I'm pretty familiar with my Bible, and it gets really bad before Jesus comes back. We have to be diligent. We have to be focused. We have to be intentional about what we're doing and why we're here. What is it that we need to learn? What is it that we need to be doing? What is it we need to pass along? So we're going to hone this question a little bit farther down now. Why are we here as the household of faith? Why are we here in this church? What is it that we're doing? What is it that we're supposed to be learning and there's actually several different passages that answer this question in slightly different ways. It's like looking at the same street corner from a different perspective. The one I chose today comes from Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 11. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. First and foremost, we have to realize why are you here in this building, in this church, is to realize that we are one people. Humanity tends to be tribal, tends to land ourselves in groups where we have a very distinctive us and them. And it's still going on. 
It's still very alive and well, even in our nation. I just say Democrat, Republican, and you think two entirely different nations. And yet, we probably have people in this church that are falling to both those categories. But we put up these walls and these barriers and these assumptions, these preconceived notions of what that person must be like. And God's people are one people. And they come from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Part of being here is to learn to pull those walls down, to step beyond them, to not keep push putting them up, to not keep throwing up that barrier, but to actually let all of that go and realize we may have the way we want things to go, but Christ is the definer of our lives and our choices and our acceptance of others. We need to learn this. We have to own this. We have to undo what has already taken place through our culture. And it's, through, it's been throughout all cultures. This isn't a dig on America or a dig on just us individually. It's something humanity does. But in order to be God's people, we have to be one people. We have to be united in purpose. We have to be united in what we're doing. We have to be united in our goal. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is called putting on the new self. You are dead to who you were to the old man within you. You have died with Christ, been crucified on the cross, been born again, renewed. We are all being called to put on then the new self, the new you, being further sanctified in God, being made more and more into the likeness of Christ every day. And it requires us to die to ourself because that old man keeps trying to rear his ugly head. He keeps trying to come back. He keeps trying to assert himself, and we have to die to that daily, being a living sacrifice, saying, no, that is who I was. That is not who I am. That's not who I will continue to be in Christ. I will continue to put on these things, even though I don't necessarily always want to be kind or meek or patient with the people around me. But because I love God, Christ, and because Christ loves humanity, I will. I will seek to do these things. I will seek to follow out this purpose so that we can be one people moving together in what God wants for us. It's a different way to engage. It's a different way to respond to constantly be seeking after peaceful resolutions, to not get fired up, to not get angry, to not get 
overwhelmed by things and to react, we're called to instead respond. Reactionary causes pain. It causes difficulties. It causes us to regret choices when we are reactionary to our world. When we respond to it, that causes us to exert that patience, that self-control, that humility, and to express love. And to be thankful. This is actually a terribly uncommon trait, unfortunately. There's a lot of expectation in our world, but not a lot of thankfulness. This is something I personally had to work through a while back. It was one of the things that Steve shared with me and I didn't take very well. Before he left, he said to me, you don't say thank you very often. Sure I do. What are you talking about? I'm a thankful person. I go home, I tell my wife, you know what Steve said? He said, I don't say thank you very often. She laughed. Like, no, you don't. realizing it's a different way of responding and to realizing we don't always actually do it as much as we think we do. We cut ourselves a real big pass most of the time. But to make a conscious effort to be thankful, thankful for the little things, all the little things. I make an effort personally in order to be thankful to God in the little things of life whenever I get a green light because I get a lot of red lights. And when I get a green I just say, thank you, God. It helps me be attuned, and it helps me to practice that. Whatever it might be for you, practice being thankful in your life. Because we're not our own. We are a unity. We are a body. We are the bride of Christ together. Romans 12, 3 through 8 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, each one of us for the greater good of the community. And a lot of us get to this point. We started out, we needed Christ. We needed our purpose. We needed the reality of why we are here. That's this first portion. That's the big overarching. I needed God and I'm supposed to follow you and fear you, but I got a whole life ahead of me and I need some, this narrowing down. I need some focusing, Lord. And so we get into this community. We get trained up. And a lot of us, we get involved. We get plugged in. We might join a Bible study. We might join a home group. We we get the community of believers. We start exercising our gifts. And then a lot of times it stops there and we buckle down. We read the end of the Bible and it says the hard times are coming and people are going to be against you. It's like, all right, well, we got each other, so it's coming. And we remain. And this is a dangerous place to be if it stops here because the body does need to be built up. We do need to be trained up. We do need to have healthy community, but that isn't the ultimate purpose of the body. I thought about this and it struck me that if the devil cannot keep you out of heaven... 
If he can't keep you away from the Lord and you have believed on the Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's just going to try to keep you here. Coming to church, never leaving this building. You go to your work, you put your head down, you go home, you close the door. Because the people out there, they fight against you, they rally against you, they don't want to hear anything you want to say. It's difficult, it's hard, it's painful. But I go to church, I got my people, and I'm going to be plugged into what we're doing, and we're going to be built up, and it's going to be good. And then you repeat over and over and over again. And never does the true purpose ever get fulfilled of why you were trained up, why you got healthy, why you were able to take, on, take off your filthy rags and put on God's righteousness. It was more than just for the sake of that happening. You yourself needed to be saved. But beyond that, there's still a rest of your life. There's still purpose God has for you. And it's beyond this building. This building is important. This wonderful community is important. But its purpose is for something more. Its purpose is to seek those that are not yet saved. To have a place where people can come in and it is safe. And it is inviting. And they can be accepted. And they can take off their filthy rags and put on God's righteousness. Where they know they can be loved. And they can be healed up. And they can be trained up and they can accept the Lord and they can turn around and do the same. The purpose, ultimate purpose of us is not to just have a better us here. When we do that, we end up, it's like being on a big boat with a big buffet and a lot of fun things and some excursions. It's a cruise ship. The whole focus is us having fun and a good time together and everybody you want to be there is there. And it's great. It's a wonderful time. Who doesn't like a cruise ship? I have never been on a cruise ship, and I like the idea of cruise ships. (laughs) But a cruise ship just goes out. You might get off from time to time, but nobody else comes back that's not meant to be on that ship. And you come right back, and it just does circles. And what is it truly accomplishing? It's fun, and it's nice. And you might get on a cruise ship for a short period of time. But we're not called to be on a cruise ship. We're called to be on a different kind of vessel. As the body of Christ, we are called to be on the battleship. Everyone with a place, everyone with a purpose, everyone with a common goal in mind. And the sole purpose of that ship is not for the people on the ship. It's for those that need to be saved, those that need to be protected, those that need to be sought out. And there's training up and there's unity And there's focus, but there's a realization that you're sailing into enemy waters. You're sailing into a place of people that don't want you to be there. And we have to realize what our true purpose is to be able to own that and to be able to build each other up in it and to encourage one another in it and to remind ourselves that the ultimate question of what are we doing and why are we doing it, does it answer this? How does this allow me to better communicate Christ? How does this, what I'm learning and doing today, this time in this building right now, how does this help me tell people about Jesus? That should always be our question. That should always be our focus. When we go to these, to small groups and barbecues and um, deep sea spelunking and the WAG women's adventure groups, (laughs) how is this opportunity going to help me share Christ? Because a lot of times people would never come into this building here. They, I've actually heard people say many times, and it always baffles me when they say it, 
If I walked in the church, I'd catch on fire. Like, we got fire extinguishers, you'd be okay. <laughs> but they almost, it's like they believe it. The lightning is going to strike. But they'd come to a barbecue. They'd come if we were all going out shooting or hiking or going on a fishing trip. You'd be amazed at the amount of people that have been saved in this church by four-wheelers in the Rubicon. Inviting people along to the things they would so that they can be introduced to the community and to understand who Christ is and stay and be built up and continue the process. Why are we doing these things? We're doing them for the sake of the people that aren't here yet. Luke 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's the first question. That's the big question. That's where we all need to be at some point in our life. Lord, what do I need to do to be saved? It's a good question. It's an okay question. It can't be where you remain. We have to continue forward, but it's where it begins. You yourself need to be saved first. I thought about that when I was on a plane, and they always tell you when the oxygen comes down, please put your mask on first. Why? Because if you can't breathe, how can you help others? You first need to be saved, and then we continue forward. What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he, the lawyer, answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, being Jesus, said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. That's the answer you want to get. That's what God is saying to you. You're correct, sir. Now go do that. If only we were so wise to just leave it at that. And to go do that. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now that's the second question. That's the second thing we looked at. That's what is the defining circle of my community? How far do I actually have to go, Lord? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The priests and the Levites, the religious, the pious, the people by all measures are following after God, are proclaiming God's word, are doing the right thing. They both saw this man that might be dead and passed by on the other side. And I can't speak to their specific motivations because it doesn't say, but I can imagine knowing the laws and the customs of the time, if they touched a dead body, they were out of commission for at least a week. I don't have time for that. You know I don't have time for that, Lord. Someone else will come along and take with that. I'm too busy doing your good work to help him to be able to take care of this moment. And so many of us in so often life can get to that spot. Lord, you know I'm too busy. How could I possibly do that right now? But a Samaritan, the despised, the unloved, the people that by all means and everything, you look at them and go, there's no way that person could ever amount to anything useful. That is how they viewed Samaritans. That's why Samaritan is right there in this. 
because the Jews hated them. The Jews despised them. This is the person you would never expect God to use. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when you come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. As individuals, we are each called to give up of ourselves each and every day that when the time comes to realize you are not too busy to fulfill the true purposes of the Lord, to help someone along the way, to see someone and have compassion of them. And this is giving without any expectation of return or personal gain from it. This, the example here is someone who's getting nothing out of this. They're actually losing. It isn't for their good. It isn't for their church's good. It isn't for their family's good. It's not for their pastor's good. It's not for their friend's good. It is solely for the purpose of that person that needs the Lord right now. And each of us are called to this. Mark 10, 42 through 45. They're answering the question, why? And Jesus called them to him, saying to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And he didn't give his life as a ransom for many just so we could go on a cruise ship and have a good time together. No, he gave his life that they might be saved, that they might have redemption, that they might know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and spend eternity with their God. This is our purpose. This is our ultimate purpose as followers of Christ, as individuals knowing God, is to know Christ and to make him known. And the more on track you are with that, the more focused, the more in unity this body becomes, the harder it will be. I said it before, we are, if we are on track with this, if we are seeking after the lost, if we are seeking after souls that don't yet know the Lord, the devil isn't gonna like this. You are sailing into enemy territory. He's gonna get on the attack. He's gonna start trying to pick at all the things that so easily beset you. And that is why we need this community. That is why we need to be encouraged and supported and built up. It's so vital then that this is a healthy 
body, unified in purpose, on the same goal, putting aside personal agendas, personal desires, just different wishes, whatever's going on in the world, putting it aside, knowing that beyond all that, we're looking at people and realizing it isn't an us and them. It's an us and the us that aren't with us yet. There isn't a them anymore. It's simply the hundredth sheep that's wandered away. The 99 sheep, unfortunately, I mean, we have to realize this, that's us. You're okay. You get to go be with Jesus. The hundredth one doesn't unless we go get him. And so we have to be together. We have to support one another. We have to love one another. We have to encourage one another. We have to train each other up, pressing each other on to greater deeds. And within this, the only way we're going to be successful is if we are founded on Christ, founded on his principles, his ideas, his methods, making the center Jesus. That is our That is our theme of this year, being founded on the rock. For when the rains come and the winds blow and the floods try to wash you away, you will stand because you are founded on Jesus. Amen?